0: Welcome to Axios Recap. I'm Naomi Shaven, and I'm filling in for Dan. Today's Thursday, February 18th. U.S. unemployment claims are up, temperatures in Texas are still down, and we're focused on Facebook and news in Australia. If you're in Australia and you log on to Facebook, you'll still see your friends' babies and dogs, but you won't see any news articles. Last night, Facebook was staring down looming Australian legislation that would have forced it and Google to pay publishers in the country for content that appears on their platforms. And Facebook pulled the plug on news. Let's take a big step back. Australian lawmakers are very close to passing a law requiring Google and Facebook to pay publishers for their content. For the last few months, Facebook and Google have been fighting with Australia's government over this proposed law, arguing it would make doing business, quote, unviable. If you missed all of this because of everything else going on, you're forgiven. But it is a really big deal and part of a global movement to push tech platforms to pay publishers. Platforms like Google and Facebook have wreaked havoc on the business models of publishers over the years, even as they've helped to expand publishers' reach. As a result... A lot of countries want to take action to support publishers. The EU, for example, recently developed a framework for member countries to take similar action to what Australia has been considering. So here's the latest. Australia's law was expected to pass within a matter of days. Google tried to get ahead of this by striking deals with Australian publishers. Most notably, it struck a deal with News Corp for an undisclosed amount. Hours later, Facebook blocked news on its platform in Australia entirely. The result is that Australian Facebook users cannot see news on the platform, and they also initially could not see some government sites with updates about local emergencies and other sites that provide health information and other resources. While Australia's government and Facebook continue to wrangle over this, Australian citizens are dealing with the fallout, and other countries who want to hold Facebook accountable to publishers are taking note. To understand how these negotiations came to this point, what might happen next? and what impact this could have in other countries, including the U.S. We're joined by Axios media reporter Sarah Fisher. Sarah, let's start where this all started. It seems like it actually started with really good intentions on the part of the Australian government. They were acting in the interests of publishers, trying to get them compensation for content that runs on Facebook and Google, and then it all went really wrong. Can you walk us through that?
1: Yeah, well, Australian lawmakers have been toying with what a law would look like that would force Google and Facebook to pay news publishers. But the problem with forcing these tech giants to pay is that, obviously, they have a very different perspective of what the value is of that content versus the publishers themselves. Over the course of many years, finally, lawmakers said, look, we're not going to make you pay through a law if you, Google and Facebook, can independently strike negotiations with news publishers yourself, but if you don't strike them, we're going to pass the law. So right now, this week, lawmakers are looking to pass the law. It's going to happen imminently. It's been brought to Parliament, and Google has taken the unprecedented step of paying millions and millions of dollars to a bunch of the biggest news organizations in Australia, Seven, ABC, News Corp. But Facebook has said, look, we don't think that it's worth what you all think we should pay for this content. And so we're going to back out. I wanted to zero in on something that you mentioned here. Google
0: tried to get ahead of this by actually striking some of these deals before the law would go into effect, including one really notable deal with News Corp. And I'm just curious, obviously, Rupert Murdoch is a media mogul. He's the executive chairman of News Corp right now. How much of a role did Rupert Murdoch and News Corp play in Google's decision? And I bring that up because just a
1: few hours after that came out was when Facebook instituted their policy. Oh, he was the driving force. Rupert Murdoch owns 70% of the newspaper circulation in Australia. He is the biggest lobbying force for news, not just in Australia, but probably around the world. He's been the one urging lawmakers globally to crack down on Google and Facebook. And what's happened behind the scenes is that he has been prodding Australian lawmakers to pass a law like this. But the problem, Naomi, is that News Corp is a very different type of company than some of the teeny tiny local news outlets that exist in Australia, but also around the world. while this payout structure seems really great for NewsCore, some might argue it's kind of bad for the local media outlets that no longer have access to share links on Facebook and get traffic. Is there a direct connection there in the timing? Do you think that that deal that Google struck actually was the catalyst? No, I think that the catalyst was that the law is going to pass imminently, and these two companies were going to be able to skirt the law only if they came to reasonable payout terms with publishers leading up to its passage within this week. Facebook has been trying to lock down some of these deals. The problem is it has a different economic calculus than Google. You see, if Google has to pull search from Australia, that's a massive hit to its business. It makes most of its money off of search advertising and Australia is a pretty big Western market. But for Facebook, limiting the sharing of news articles isn't going to severely impact its business, not just in Australia, but around the world. What would have impacted its business if it would be if a precedent was set that Facebook had to pay out millions and millions of dollars for news content that, quite frankly, it doesn't think is that valuable to its bottom line. So that really
0: sets the stage for Wednesday. And I'm curious what happened Wednesday night, how Facebook
1: rolled out this announcement and how quickly it took effect for Australian Facebook users yeah so the press got announced probably in the early afternoon we got emails from Facebook saying here's our position shortly thereafter Facebook started to disable news link sharing on its platform it also removed all of the former links to the posts on publishers pages now there was a little bit of hiccups of course Facebook had to over broadly reach and kind of disable everything to make sure it was compliant with this law. And in doing so, it inadvertently blocked access to government website pages, to nonprofit pages. They got a lot of heat because people said, look, those are important communication vehicles, especially during a pandemic. But a Facebook spokesperson told me earlier today that it's been going through and it's been re-evaluating which sites got blocked and reinstating the ones that shouldn't have been impacted as quickly as it possibly possibly can. One thing they'll say is the law doesn't really give a clear guidance as to what's considered news and what's not. What has the reaction been like in Australia for just everyday people who are trying to get access to news and information? Well, I mean, there are some numbers that came out today from Chartbeat provided to Axios that said people are just visiting news sites less writ large because of the Facebook link disabling a lot of news and information consumption in Australia happens on Facebook. In the past, Naomi, when there have been blackouts of Facebook, meaning the app is down, people will just go to other apps like they'll go to Google search or Twitter to get their news. But the data shows that people just have been consuming a little bit less in the past 24 hours. So far, you're getting mixed reaction. You have some people who say, you know, this is a really bad thing for small local publishers who need that traffic from Facebook to get not only ad revenue and traffic, but to get popularity and to do marketing. And then you have a lot of publishers who say this is a huge win. You know, we're making so much money now from Google, and now Facebook can't sort of one-up us and take our traffic without paying for it. But I'd say I see a big split between big publishers and small ones here. The big ones, I think, see the Google deal as a win, see the Facebook thing as inevitable, and the small ones sort of feel like they've been luffed out here and that it's not necessarily Necessarily, the best thing for them. What happens if people can't share news on one of the biggest information platforms in the world? It could have unintended consequences, especially during a thing like a pandemic where emergency communications on social media matter. I want to ask a really basic
0: question because it does seem Google kind of found their own way to go along with the spirit of the law. And Facebook seems to take a lot more issue with the spirit of the law and how it applies to them. What is it about this law? Is there like one piece of this or would it really just change how they do business around links so
1: profoundly? They are really frustrated with this baseball style arbitration clause that would essentially see two government-appointed arbitrators, one from the Liberal Party and one from the Conservative Party, and a third that they select that gets to choose how much they think Facebook needs to pay publishers. And the reason that Facebook is frustrated by this is they say, who are you to determine what the value is that we should be paying for these publishers' content? Only we know what the value is of that content because we see the impact on our business. And now clearly Facebook, by leaving Australia, is saying, look, we don't think... That whatever people say this stuff is worth is actually worth it to us. So it does seem like Google and publishers
0: have found a way to live happily in the wake of all of this. But the Facebook piece is really confounding. And I'm curious, you know, this decision has been broadly unpopular. It's not been received well. Facebook's critics are very concerned about them, you know, leveraging their platform to put a chokehold on critical information who do you think is going to be hurt more in the long term
1: here? Is it Facebook or is it some of these publishers, especially the smaller ones? I think the smaller publishers are going to be hurt pretty bad because they're not going to be able to use Facebook as a marketing tool and for audience development. Facebook, this is a reputational crisis, especially when you have the unintended consequences of blocking government sites, et cetera. But eventually, Facebook will navigate this. The thing that Facebook's going to have to worry about is whether or not reputationally people think that they are too cutthroat, that they care about profits over society. And quite honestly, I don't know how they're going to be able to dodge that criticism because it's something that's plagued them for so many years across so many different instances. The other thing to mention here too, is Facebook has been investing in partnerships with local news. They don't wanna be seen as somebody that comes in, pays publishers a ton of money, and then backs out and leaves them hanging. They've gotten that criticism before, many times. What they're trying to do now is build something that's a little bit more sustainable. How can we figure out ways to work with publishers, to help them with marketing, to help them grow their subscription businesses? Now, critics say, and I agree, there's a lot more that they could do, but it doesn't really make sense for them to come in, pay the publishers on a year-over-year basis all of this money for something that they don't think is worth it because eventually that system is not sustainable. Where do negotiations between Facebook
0: and the Australian government stand at this point?
1: Well, lawmakers said that as of yesterday, they're still in touch with Mark Zuckerberg. Remember, the law is not totally official yet, so there's still a few last minutes where they could negotiate something. But I think that by Facebook taking this unprecedented step of turning off links has basically said look, we're done coming to the table. It's over. We're out. For now, I expect it to be just as it is. A bunch of things are going to be blocked. Facebook will go in and start to reverse some of the accidental blocks of government websites, nonprofits. And we're just going to live in a world where there's no link sharing on Facebook in Australia. Will that happen in other countries? It could. That's the next thing we'll keep our eye out for. That's exactly what I wanted to ask. Are you
0: hearing at this point that this is changing the calculation at all for some of these other countries? Where does that stand now?
1: Yeah, well, a copyright directive was passed in Europe a few years ago that basically said to member states, including France, you have to... Uh, You have to adopt a framework that falls in line with this copyright directive, which essentially argues the same thing. You need to broker a paid relationship for content with the tech platforms. So France just struck a deal with Google. It's starting to have conversations with Facebook. A bunch of other countries in the EU, like Germany and the UK, are also trying to figure things out. In the US, we don't have any sort of copyright directive that's been passed. So no individual states are required to broker these types of relationships the same way EU member states are. But on a national level, you do have federal lawmakers that are trying to come up with antitrust bills and solutions. Obviously, we know that there is a big antitrust lawsuit against Facebook from the FTC in 48 states. So there are efforts here, but they're not coordinated in the same way as they are and were in Australia. And part of the reason for that, Naomi, is We don't really have the same level of a Rupert Murdoch style influence in the U.S. Murdoch owns 70 percent of the newspaper circulation in Australia. We don't have one person that owns 70 percent of newspaper circulation in the U.S. We don't have a driving lobbying force here that's really twisting the arms of our lawmakers. So that's one of the reasons why I don't think you're going to see something exactly like this in the U.S., at least not soon. But it's something that, you know, you hear murmurs about on Capitol Hill.
0: I have one last question for you. Is this possibly something that could inadvertently help misinformation flourish? Or, you know, the other side of the coin, does tamping down on link sharing actually also tamp down on the spread of misinformation?
1: Hard to say right now. I think we're in a world where bad actors are going to spread misinformation in any which way they can, whether that's on Facebook, Google, Twitter, on private messaging platforms. The one good thing about turning off link sharing on Facebook is that Facebook's algorithm tended to make it so that some of the false information could spread more widely than some of the other smaller platforms. But I don't think that this is going to fundamentally solve anything around fake news. What I think it's going to do is it's going to force people to share links with their family and friends, on probably less public channels. So via email and messenger and all that. And that makes it harder for us to research and measure how things are going viral if they are potentially bad or harmful content. So that could be a negative consequence of this. But slowing the spread of potentially harmful things on Facebook with a big algorithmic engine could be a potentially positive impact on this. Sarah Fisher, Axios Media Reporter, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Naomi.
0: Welcome back. What we're watching today is immigration reform. Two of President Biden's allies in the House and the Senate introduced a bill from his administration today. This is the first major effort since 2013 to overhaul the immigration process and offer a path to citizenship for 11 million people who are living in the U.S. currently without legal status. Back in 2013, a bipartisan group of senators known as the Gang of Eight tried to pass immigration reform only to watch their efforts die in the House. That group included Senator Marco Rubio, who has already come out against today's coordinated effort from the Biden administration. To be fair, today's bill wasn't really designed as a compromise that could win bipartisan support. My colleague Steph Kite covers immigration policy, and she shared this thought bubble. The bill was not designed to get Republicans on board right away, but it could kick off negotiations. Republicans want to see funding for enhanced border security and mandatory e-verify for employers to make sure that they can only hire legal residents, among other measures. Those aren't in this bill. It remains to be seen if any eventual immigration reform package could even pass today's extremely divided Senate. And it makes this journalist think, wow, 2013 seems like a pretty quaint time compared to now. And we're done. Big thanks for listening and to producer Tim Shovers and executive producer Dan Bobkov. Have a great national drink wine day. And Dan will be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.